In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In our readings today, there's a lot of talk, especially in the first reading, about this word covenant, and how God is making covenant with Abraham. And and the word keeps coming up, if you paid attention in the book of Genesis, how God is making covenant, his covenant with Abraham and his descendants and his offspring, and and how God is going to bless Abraham and make him a father, a multitude of many nations, and give him descendants and, and many blessings and possessions. And this word, I think, is, is so important because what a covenant is, is it's a sacred bond that God makes with his people. Anytime you hear the word covenant in scripture, that's what it's referring to, is this bond that God is making with his people. God is binding himself. God is attaching himself to his people. Now, throughout scripture, we see many different covenants, especially in the Old Testament, But when we get to the New Testament, there's something called the New Covenant. We even say that in Mass at consecration when the priest says, this is my body. The words say, this is my body of the new and everlasting covenant. Now what that means is, Jesus is this new covenant. Because of sin, we were cut off from God because of Adam and Eve. And so God is constantly making these covenants, these bonds, with his people, until his son Jesus comes. Jesus comes to make this new and everlasting covenant, which is his love. He comes to give his love. Now I bring up this, this beautiful new covenant of, of the love of Jesus because we need to, we need to understand that, that God is alive, that God is working, and he loves us. And that's what this entire season is about when we celebrate Christmas, when, we, when we're walking towards Christmas, what it's about is we're walking towards love. Jesus is being born, and we are waiting for him to be born because we are desperately in need of his love. Now, for a lot of people, the holidays is a beautiful time. It's a time where we can get together and be with family, be with friends, celebrate. But for others, the holidays is the worst time in the world for them which is real for a lot of people. For some people, the holidays reminds them of their own loneliness, reminds them of their own grief and suffering and pain, and it can be a very difficult time. But the question, I think, is, despite where we're at in our lives, whether we have some big suffering right now, whether we have some big trial right now in our lives, what we have to understand is that God is still loving and God is still blessing and he's never done with that. Jesus is never done loving us and blessing us, no matter how difficult or how hard life becomes. And it's not difficult for us to not believe in that. It's very easy to fall into the temptation that God doesn't love me, that God is not hearing me, that God is not blessing me. And we see that so clearly in these readings. Abraham is 99 years old. He does not have a child from his wife. If you know scripture, you know that his wife told him to go and have a child with his maid because she wanted her husband to be happy. But he could not have a child of his own, from his own wife, his own kin. So at 99 years old, God appears to him and says that he's going to bless him with a son. And what does Abraham do? 
he laughs. That's why they call him Isaac. Isaac means he who laughs. So Abraham laughs at God because he says, Me, 99 years old, have a child? And then what happens in the gospel? We hear from this this beautiful life and story of Zechariah. Zechariah and Elizabeth who are also advanced in age. And God blesses them with a child. The angel Gabriel comes to Zechariah and he says, Your wife is going to bear a son. And Zechariah also doesn't believe. The angel says, Because you did not believe in my words, you will be silent until these days come to pass. Because he too didn't believe. Wow. Imagine if we were silenced if we didn't believe in God and his love and his blessing. Imagine how many of us would be silent because we don't believe really in God's love and blessing. At the end of the day, if we're not living to love, then we're not really living. If we don't live in our lives to truly love, then we're really not living. And that's what the entire reading to the Ephesians is about. Ephesians chapter 5 and 6 is so beautiful. We hear these readings in, in our weddings. When you come to weddings, you'll hear Ephesians 5. Wives, be subject to your husbands. And the husbands love to look at their wives. Did you hear that? <laughs> but I just love this reading because it's packed with so much love and how God is leading us to love. If I really want to live out this season of Christmas and joy and happiness, then I need to live out love. I started during funerals, uh, probably over the past year, when I celebrate a funeral. We have readings that we can read in our, in our funerals for the gospel. But I started taking the, the wedding book, and at funerals, I read the gospel that is read at weddings. And that gospel is when one of the scribes comes to Jesus and he says, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus says to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And a second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The law and the commandments depend on these two laws. These two commandments all depend on love. I started reading that at funerals because... When we celebrate Christmas, what we're celebrating is Jesus coming into the world. And really, what we're waiting for isn't just this coming, but we're waiting for the second coming of Jesus. Jesus is going to come back into this world again in his second coming. We say that in the creed. When we say we believe in one God, we say he's seated at the right hand of the Father and he will come again to judge the living and the dead. And so Christmas is a reminder that Jesus is going to come again. And when he comes again, he will judge us on one thing. And that one thing is love. How did I love? The letter to the Ephesians is so clear on that. We need to love God first first and foremost, right? St. Paul says, look carefully how you are to walk. Not as unwise men, but wise He says, do not get drunk off of wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Sing psalms and give praise to God. This is how we need to love the Lord. But I love how he continues, and he talks about spouses, right? Being subject. Wives, be subject to your your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. 
Now that word subject is, is so important and it doesn't just mean that you have to submit to your husbands. That's not what it means only. The word subject in Greek, it means to cooperate with your husband. And even deeper, and I, I think this is so beautiful, when St. Paul says be subject to your husbands, even deeper he's saying carry your husbands. That's what it means in the Greek, to carry your husbands. I know very well, especially in our Chaldean culture, the mother is really the rock of the family. Especially when the mom passes away, you see something different. It's different when a father passes away. When a mother passes away, the family, not that it falls apart, but it's different. That rock is not there. The mother is the rock of the family because the wife and mother is called to carry the family. To carry the burdens of the family. And so when you hear that phrase, be subject to your husbands, what St. Paul is saying is, carry your family, carry your husbands, lift them up. And for husbands, he says, love your wives as Christ loved the church which I think is a bigger demand on the husbands than the wife. Because how did Christ love His church? Look at that cross. Jesus Christ died for His church. And so what St. Paul is saying to husbands is he's saying, die for your wife. Die for your wife. My dad has a phrase, and I think he stole it from Bishop Ibrahim at his wedding. But he says, my dad always says this all the time, happy wife, happy life. <laughs> and I think that phrase is so true. And it's not just about happy wife, happy life, but I think if we started living for the happiness of the other person, marriages would be so different today. Marriage is not a competition. It's not about who's better. Be subject to your husbands means cooperate with your husbands. Marriage is a cooperation. Marriage has to be couples cooperating with each other. Couples working with each other. There's no other way. There's no other way to live. There's no other way to be married other than to cooperate with each other. Too many people today are getting married just so that they can put a dress on and walk down an aisle and put on a smile and everybody give their attention to these couples. But then once you go home, reality kicks in. Once we go home into our own marriages, reality kicks in. It's not about this party and extravagance and luxury. Now it becomes about sacrifice. Now it becomes a hardship. And we can't do that unless we have Jesus. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. If couples learned one thing, it should be this, that when you get married... It's no longer about your happiness. When you get married, it's about the happiness of your spouse and your family. That's what marriage is about. When Jesus came into the world, he didn't come for his own happiness. Jesus came into this world for our happiness. And we need to learn that. St. Paul goes on to talk about children. So kids, are you listening? Listen up. St. Paul says, children, obey your parents. Why did you laugh? <laughs> children, obey your parents. 
He says, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment. If you, go, if you know the Ten Commandments, you know very well, honor your father and mother is not the first commandment. The first commandment, we have ten of them. The first is, I am the Lord your God, you shall have no other gods before me. But St. Paul says, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment. Why does he say that? If you look at the book of Exodus, you'll see that the ten commandments are split into two sections. The first three commandments are about our love for God. And the seven commandments that are left after the love for God are our love for other people. And the first commandment that God gives when he talks about loving other people is honor your father and your mother. That is why it is the first commandment in St. Paul's book. Because too many people today, too many children, kids, you don't put your parents first. You don't put your families first. Because it's a lot easier to love our friends and our cousins and all of the people that make us have fun. And it's not easy to love our parents or to love our own family or to love our own blood. But St. Paul says, honor your father and mother. Because news flash. At the end of our lives, when we're on our deathbed, our friends are not going to be at our deathbed. Our cousins are not going to be at our deathbed. Our family will be at our deathbed. Family is till death. And that's why family needs to be first. And so children, and I'm not just talking about five-year-olds and six-year-olds. Children, if you're 20, you're 30, you're 40, you're 50, you're 60, children, obey your parents. Love your parents. Show them love. Give them love. We forget that when we grow up to show our parents love. And lastly, St. Paul talks about fathers. And I want to relate this to all parents. He says, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Something I've seen today is way too many parents have high anxiety, and that's why their kids have high anxiety. So many moms and dads are just such anxious people that it makes their kids anxious. And we wonder why there's so much anxiety in the world. And so we have to learn to just chill out, calm down, and recognize that the Lord doesn't want our families to be built with more anger and anxiety. He wants our families to be built on love and peace. And so parents, we need to learn not to nitpick everything that our kids do. Choose your battles. Choose your battles. Instruct them in the Lord. Discipline them. But the first thing I need to instruct them to do is to love. To love. And so as we prepare for this Christmas time, we need to ask ourselves, how can I love more? If you are a husband, if you are a wife, how can you love your spouse more? How can you put their happiness before yours? If you are a child, how can I love my parents more? How can I love my family more? That's what God desires of us in this season. And then I can truly rejoice in His birth. Amen.